Sefer Shmot, Parshat V'yakel, on the right to rest. In Parshat V'yakel, Moshe addresses the people with commandments from God, beginning with the Sabbath. He says, On six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your settlements on the Sabbath day. Moshe then goes on to give instruction on the construction of the Mishkan, the traveling portable temporary temple, saying, Take from among you gifts to the Lord. Everyone whose heart is so moved shall bring them gifts for the Lord, and let all among you who are skilled come and make all that the Lord has commanded. A lot of details are listed here. To me, it's not an accident that all this attention to detail about sanctifying and beautifying holy space comes immediately after the seemingly more mundane words about not working on Shabbat. Yes, the Torah informs us extensively about the holiness of physical things, such as the Mishkan and all its accoutrements, the land of Israel and the written name of God. But what's revolutionary about the Torah is that it introduces an equal, if not greater, holiness of time. God asks for us different kinds of service. And doing the constructive work of building the tabernacle and engaging in the passive act of resting on Shabbat, we see from the Jewish tradition are two sides of the same coin. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel wrote in his classic work, The Sabbath, Labor is a craft, but perfect rest is an art. It is the result of an accord of body, mind, and imagination. To attain a degree of excellence in art, one must accept its discipline. One must adjure slothfulness. The seventh day is a palace of time, which we build. It is made of soul, of joy, and reticence. In its atmosphere, a discipline is a reminder of adjacency to eternity. Indeed, the splendor of the day is expressed in terms of abstentions. The Meah HaShiloach wrote, The revelation of God comes about mainly through the elements of space, time, and soul. Space refers to the holy temple, the place where God becomes apparent to us. Time means Shabbat, the choicest moment when God manifests in the world. Soul refers to those souls of Israel upon whom God reveals God's Shekhinah, divine feminine presence. In fact, the 39 labors, the malachot, traditionally prohibited, are derived from the work in, it took to build the tabernacle. It is taught in the Talmud, for example, they sowed in order to grow dyes for the tabernacle, and therefore you may not sow on Shabbat. They reaped, and therefore you may not reap on Shabbat. This type of reasoning is applied to determine all of the primary types of labor, because just as labor is an essential service to God, taking time to step back from it is of the highest importance as well. In the current discussions we have about Shabbat, the Jewish people do indeed paint a lovely picture of why it's necessary. But I think we've forgotten just how countercultural the idea is at its heart. Throughout history, rulers and bosses have been the ones to hold power over masses. The Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians, and labor injustices have followed all the way up to our present time. It is the natural order of things, some would say, that the powerful have control over the working class. Shabbat, however, is God telling us that while work is certainly not at all a bad thing, it is a basic human need to step back from that work. 
People have the right and opportunity to access holy time. The Torah dares us to understand. In the United States, a 40-hour work week before overtime became the standard only about 83 years ago. According to a worldwide estimate by the World Health Organization and the International Labor Organization, in 2016, 398,000 people died from stroke and 347,000 people from heart disease as a result of having worked at least 55 hours a week. Between 2000 and 2016, the number of deaths from heart disease due to working long hours increased by 42% and from stroke by 19%. We see here that a day off is not only a matter of Jewish ritual observance, but an issue of necessary steps to protect human life. In my view, Torah values the demand that we embrace and give everyone the right to the ancient and biblical practice of giving everyone a day off every week. This commitment should be affirmed in American society and policy, and we should advocate for its institution all over the globe. This protection is particularly necessary for people at risk of being ignored by the law, such as undocumented immigrants. Further, in addition to a day of rest, people need sick days, parental leave, and sufficient breaks during their workdays. And beyond time off, the Torah institutes further cycles of periodic relief, such as the rest of the land, remission of debts, and release of prisoners and slaves every seven years during Shemitah. The Sfat Emet taught, On the Holy Shabbat, they are drawn into oneness, and if this is for the sake of heaven, they shall so be sustained in the days of action. It is the time off that sustains us in our work. Work is a blessing and a service. We learn from this Parsha. But the other side of its value, the Torah is equally clear in saying, is that it can only be fully meaningful when workers are given the opportunity to rest their minds and bodies and later return to it refreshed. Friends, this week is a double Parsha. So now, Parshat Bakude on stopping and recentering. At the very end of Parshat Bakude, the book of Exodus concludes, When the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the Israelites would set out on their various journeys. But if the cloud did not lift, they would not set out until such time as it did lift. For over the tabernacle, a cloud of the Lord rested by day, and fire would appear in it by night, in the view of all the house of Israel throughout their journeys. From the ending of this book, we learn that while the story of the exodus from Egypt and the receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai is over, we are just beginning as a people to learn how to journey collectively. And from these verses, we learn that we could not embark on our adventures without God's guidance, without heeding God's demand of our rest and our spiritual readiness and preparation, as God, God's self, would rest in the camp with us. According to the commentary of the Sforno, the godly presence in this tabernacle was greater than God's presence in the Jerusalem temple. How amazing is it that as a rinky-dink and landless people, we experience the divine presence in a way that required to wait, pause, and be present to experience it. Yes, it is important for us to move toward our destinations, but there's another importance in pausing our journeys to be in awe. 
In our lives, we must go out in the world to work, create change, and tame life's messiness and chaos. But we can't start those individual and collective journeys until the cloud is lifted, until we are rooted in our values, until we are filled with awe and humility. How do we do that? To start, we should regularly seek to do teshuva, by which I mean re-identify what our values are and do the work to return to clear vision of the principles that are to govern our lives. Where do our responsibilities lie? What guardrails are there to prevent us from engaging in the excesses of our bad inclinations? What is the legacy we want to leave when we're gone? This isn't something for us to think about once a year or once big mistakes have already been made. Rabbi David Wolpe teaches, experts say the biggest mistake amateur explorers make when lost is to move faster in the wrong direction. When you feel lost in life, stop, take stock, move forward, when you are better oriented in a confusing world. As important as where you're going, we learn from this Parsha, is how you're going. The Israelites are in the desert, making their way toward the promised land, but they cannot do so haphazardly. They're given the gift of the tabernacle, which allows them to have God's presence with them. Friends, in our time, we're called to ask, how do we access the tabernacle in our life? Is it the space of prayer? of Shabbat or other holidays, the attention we give to our families, in a practice of journaling, doing, art, or exercising. It is only by taking the time to be spiritually still that we can know when the cloud has lifted, when the presence of God is guiding us to the next stop on our journey. In the Hebrew language, we can see the connection between kivun, direction, and kavanah, intention. Before we can go off toward our destinations, we must be intentional about discerning what we are being deployed in the world to do. This is especially prescient in a time when we become accustomed to getting what we desire instantly. We've become so consumed with busyness that we're sometimes fighting for a cause that's already been lost, having lost touch with the moment. And when we finally come across a dull moment, we turn not to our conscience, consciences, or our own thoughts, but to our news feeds and Twitter timelines. We must relearn to adapt, pause, and ground ourselves. It now takes even more training to acquire the patience needed to stand still and wait. Further, on our respective journeys, it is not enough to periodically leave our lives and go to our places of focus and intentionality. We need to be attuned to God's presence even when the cloud has lifted and it's time to get going. It's easy. For example, to go to shul or church and still act unkindly in the world. We are tasked not just with finding God at those designated resting times, but with walking with God in all that we do, carrying God's presence the way the Israelites carry the tabernacle. And then, every so often, we must return to rest and wait. We were put here not only to be productive and solve problems in the world, but also to just be we are neglecting our purposes by forgetting this passive and sometimes more difficult activity. <clears throat> Simply being is important in itself, and it teaches us how to act as we go about our busy lives. It is about the balance the end of Exodus teaches us. It is about the cycle of journeying to get back to our resting place, the place where we find our presence and divine presence, and then starting all over again. The Hasidic master, Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, taught, where is God? 
God is only where you let God in. So much evil and suffering occurs in the world because we think if we can just squeeze a little bit more out of our tasks, as if to control or dominate our surrounding, and then we can reach a kind of paradise. However, the Torah teaches us that we're already there. Yes, there's a promised land to get to, and there's a temple to build, but we must know that God is just as present when we stand still and properly devote our attention along the way. Shabbat Shalom.